everybody, live from a lovely fall day in Los Angeles, California. It's the Ozone. I'm your host, Omar Miller, and I'm here with my brother from the same mother, Terry the Icons Miller. How you doing? That's such a cool banner you got. I got to get me one of them. <laughs> I think you might have one. You just don't want to put it up. Shoot it. Can you ease off the mic? Jeez, I know we haven't done a pod in a while, but calm down, bro. Dude, I'm hot. I'm coming in hot, dude. Terry's okay. coming in hot, bro. Uh, we got a lot to cover. Thank you for everybody, all the new listeners out there who might have seen me on television talking about the pod while talking about the unicorn. Had a season two launch for you on the unicorn. Did you happen to catch the episode, T Bonaroni? Oh, of course. I love the show. This is funny work. And not even because you're a brother, but because it's just good work. No, nah, there's this some funny jokers on that show, man. I, I actually really enjoy going to work with Rob every day. <laughs> Rob is that's, a- that's, that's, that's a great show. I mean, they keep it 100 on the show while with the comedic humor. Yeah, you got it. We got it. Very tasteful. Yeah, laughter is that good medicine. We got to do it. Uh, but but we're here to talk about a lot of things. Major League Baseball has has made some announcements as far as hardware goes. The NBA has made some announcements as far as when uh, school is back in, if you will. But we want to jump right in into the world of boxing. We last time we talked to you, there was a giant fight that was taking place between Leo Santa Cruz, an LA All Star, and Javante Tank Davis, which ended in spectacular fashion. And it actually broke down very similarly to exactly what we told you was going to happen. Because every time we see Leo Santa Cruz fight, and this is the first time that Leo's ever been knocked out. I think it was the first time he's ever even been on his back. Uh, but I was going to say the first time he's ever been knocked out. I've down. totally lost you. I can't hear you. You went on mute. I don't know what happened. You can't hear me? There you go. There you go. Say it again. I'm not on mute. I'm going to say I'm not on mutation. I said it was the first time he's ever been down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy's a winner, stone cold. And what we told you guys and what ended up playing into this uh, factor into this was the weight. I mean, Tank is really a 135-er, and he fights a 130, and Leo is really a 126 guy, and he decided to step up. He was very effective early. The issue became what it always is with Leo, where at one point of the fight, Leo decides he's just going to chunk him. It's hard to do that with the real thumpers because Tank, what Tank does have is Yeah, which is a real mistake. Yeah, because he was effective. And guys like Tank, it's not that that he's not a good boxer, but he's not a great boxer. So he relies on that one-hitter quitter, a lot like a Deontay Wilder type of player. So wherever they're lacking, they try to make up in power. Right, but I, he's he's a better boxer than Deontay is. But I but I hear what you're saying. Yeah, that's other very news. much so. That's absurd, actually. So that that fight, congratulations to Tank. I mean, I think all the talk of him being the man is a little premature. I think the Tank is a good fighter. He's got major upside because he knocks people out, and that's what people like to see. The issue becomes, can he do that at 35? Because that's a little guy, a smaller guy. To me, it was more impressive what we saw Tiafimo Lopez do with uh, Lomachenko. And, you know, but listen, 135 is where the action's at. We're going to see what what plays out now because I heard rumors about the fight that I want to see, which is Mikey Garcia said he's willing to go to 140 to meet Tiafimo. And I'm here to tell you, Mikey Garcia has been at the top or top five in my pound-for-pound list for like the last three or four years. It is very, very hard to find somebody better than Mikey Garcia. The problem is Mikey moved up to 147, and it's just not the right weight class for him, in my opinion. But at 140 and below, you can take no, my money. Too, too much of a jump. 
That's what I'm saying. But at 140 and below, take my money. I don't believe nobody won no smoke with Mikey Garcia at 140 and below. Nobody. And that includes some of my friends who listen to the pod, unfortunately. Um, but <laughs> they don't want no smoke either. <laughs> nobody want no smoke with Mikey at 140 and below. I just I don't see it. I, I, I'm sorry. But how about Deontay Wilder? This is what we got to talk about really quickly. What's going on with your man, Icons? That's yo man. He's a, you know what? He's a solid dude. He seems like a solid individual that's getting bad advice. Excuses are never good advice. You know, and so what he needs to do is to tone all that down, take his loss, grow from it, and get back in there if he wants to and walk and and and, and knock somebody out. I mean, <laughs> that's the rhetoric and all that. And we know that. Yeah. Yeah. But now they're they're making a new belt, a new division, and all that kind of stuff. Hey man. I haven't heard none of that. They're talking about a new belt and a new division in the heavyweights? Yes, they're going to have a. Uh, they're going to have another. Uh, uh, I have to look it up. I want to look it up, but they're going to have a new division. Uh, they're building and making a new division for the heavyweights that are below two twenty. I do believe it is. You haven't heard it. Yeah, no, I know you've been on set. No, I've been working. Yeah, but you, you're opening uh, my eyes and stuff. I don't know anything about it. It's called the Bridger Weight. Is the new division that they're coming up with, and um, you know, so that's going to be a proper weight class for him, I guess. You know, because there's giants that are starting to in, enter the arena in boxing. You know, and when Anthony was named Tyson Fury, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua is a humongous guy, and we're talking about guys who actually can box at that size, not just big juicy guys walking around that want to throw some haymakers no. or some no. some beer ballroom brawlers or anything like that. So when you talk about him, a, a smaller, leaner guy like him, it's a problem when a guy knows how to box and and he has to actually box against a guy that's that size. But all the excuses need to be, just stop it. It's embarrassing. He well, won't now, take the now you heard it. You saw the latest that he came up with, which is just really just disrespectful. It's disrespectful it, on so many levels. And the latest, I see a, the latest he said was that Mark Breland, who saved his life possibly, yes. was involved in spiking his water. Yeah. And I saw a couple of people just, just riding with it. I mean, because saying that, oh, like well, this nonsense about the election fraud. Right. And, and they're saying that he didn't, he didn't, um, you know, he didn't, didn't deny it. I don't have to go around and deny that I'm putting some, something in somebody's water. Why? What's the motivation for Mark Breland to put himself out of a job? There's no motivation. There's, there's no logical. Yes, I got it. I put myself out of a job. <laughs> Unemployment. Yeah. Yeah. Mission complete. No, I got him. There's no logic there. Why would there's he do no that? Logic. For those Why of you who do don't know, Mike Breland was the uh, one of the cornermen who threw in the towel for Deontay Wilder in the last fight. Matter of fact, the last time I've been on an airplane, the last time I was a part of like normal civilization was uh, the February 23rd with the big rematch between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder where Tyson Fury totally and completely dominated the fight all seven rounds from pillar to post. He beat the crap out of Deontay Wilder. As I thought Deontay that he would. Hey, and as you gave me great advice on the betting it, at which point we ain't good. Uh, and now the other issue is, is that first it was first Deontay Wilder said, oh, actually it was my, my costume it was 45 pounds. I could feel it after I warmed up. I got to the ring. My legs was gone, which as you brought out was, man, you're the heavyweight champ of the world. 45 uh, pounds ain't for 15 minutes is not supposed to shoot your legs. You're supposed to have more stamina than that. <laughs> not going to shoot your legs. Exactly. Then it's I want to die on my I mean, sword. Now we got eggs. 
Hold on, hold on. Then, yeah. it, then I wanted to die on my sword. When I go in there, don't ever throw in the towel. I'm always one punch away from getting back. Now he's saying that his man, Mark Breland, was a traitor, spiked his water, and on top of that, Tyson Fury had loaded gloves, which in a very Republican way is ridiculous because Deontay Wilder had a representative there when Tyson Fury wrapped his gloves. When he got wrapped up, wrapped his gloves, taped yes. up, and that's it. And they didn't come off, and you put them back on. So is he on it as well? I, apparently, everybody exactly. didn't. When you lose, you didn't know. That's how it works. And and it's just so embarrassing. Like cheated, I, and, right? I really like Bomb Squad. Like I really do. And because he seems he came on the pod, he's a cool dude, and he obviously he does a lot of good in the community, and so on right. and so forth. This is one situation where either he's getting bad advice. Or he's not taking good advice, but either way it goes, it's the wrong look. You're Might saying a combination of both, maybe so, but it's a, it's a terrible look. This is just a, this is a stain on your own career. A guy got the best of you. Arguably, he got the best of you twice. This time, he just knocked you out. And he's talking about how it, it took a chunk of his ear off and blah 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 from a punch, and that's from the the glove being rigged and blah blah blah. And put a dent in his head. Guy? What about the body shot that yeah. knocked you down? The body shot put the other time the first time that you got knocked yeah. down that they didn't call a knockdown because he also said that Kenny Bayless was in on it, which was right. disrespectful. I would love I to speak with Kenny Bayless about <laughs> I think that. I'm trying to get Kenny on the show. Yeah, because yeah, he, he he was he was totally willing to do so at that fight when we spoke with him afterwards. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's and everybody's Kenny. Kenny saved you. Kenny literally. Kenny could have stopped that fight at any time when he was getting pummeled. He but sure then what, what Kenny also did is that he did not call that knockdown when he got knocked into the ropes that kept, that held him up. Which was a so. If anything, Kenny was on your side. Yeah, that's just a bad look. There, there's so so much. So much bad work. I mean, we so got much too much of this running rampant in the, in the country. Just speak on it, my brother, because this is exactly where I was going. It's a microcosm of what's going on in society now on a situation of the kind of people that we're producing in society. And it needs to be addressed and it needs to be checked. If you lose, you just lose, man. It doesn't have to be something to fail from. It didn't have to happen because you lost. Grow from that. Learn from it. Figure out, go back to the lab. You got so much technology now where you can watch fights, you can watch your at-bats, you can watch the basketball game, you can watch the football game so many times until you figure out exactly how it was that you got beat. Your punch, the impact of your punch. All of it. Come on, All man. of it. The, the angle of where the punches are coming from and when it came and how you reacted to it, all of this goes into the data. And the data is not lying. <laughs> as, as Andrew Cuomo will tell you. And the thing is, is that just continue to grow. And nobody wants to do that. Nobody can accept it when it's on them. Come on, man. Learn how to pop well, the jab. You know Learn how to play some defense. Exactly. And one of the biggest things is that this is one of the Floyd Mayweather effects. Maybe I don't want to put it on Floyd overall, but taking a loss, nobody likes to take a loss, but this is in business or whatever it is in life. You grow from the mistakes that you make in life and then it makes you into not only a better athlete, but a better person because now you can actually reach back maybe in the in the future. You can go and tell somebody how to react when they have that first loss, which usually yes. comes, especially in boxing, if you stay in it long enough. You know, right. so or if you fight everybody, right? I don't so, know. I don't. This time, I don't think I'm not going to put it on Floyd because he didn't catch an L, partially because of his strategic, you know, choosing of the opponents. Right. But he didn't ever have to take the L in this particular situation. There, this is just this is just I think embarrassment. 
And it's also, there's another thing that is almost, like you could almost say that there's a mental illness component of it, which is whether we're talking about Trump or whether we're talking about Deontay, these guys could pass a lie detector test because they actually believe that they didn't lose. Like they really believe that something must have been wrong for them to lose. And then one of the things that's going on is that it, I know a lot of people like to use karma, but I like to go on a biblical level and say it's reaping and sowing. That's because what when you go preach, yeah, and when you go and and go and when Anthony Joshua lost, we saw Deontay Wilder come out with all kind of outlandish sayings man. and things about that young man. He was a bum. Now, he was never really real. He didn't want it. Yeah, he, blah, blah, blah. I told y'all and everything else. Exposed, now all of a sudden, blah, blah, blah. as if, and you go back and listen to the Ozone, we talked about it, as if he had beaten Anthony Joshua when he hadn't. Exactly. Exactly. But now what we see is that in Anthony Joshua's defeat, he was gracious. He didn't take anything away from Andy Ruiz. He, he kept it 100. He went to the lab and came back and said, okay, this is how I'm going to beat this guy. I'm going to do it like this. And you're not going to hear 10,000 excuses from me. All we've heard from Deontay Wilder, much like the president right now, is him making excuses That's and, it. And, and putting it on the other guy. Take that loss, man. You can grow from it. You can grow from this loss and be a better person and a better athlete and a better champion. Uh, not to say that I don't think that he can probably it's going to be hard for him ever to beat Tyson Fury. I think that even if he comes back right. in there. He's going to come in there wild, trying to get that knockout punch to teach him a lesson and get caught himself again. And also, the lure is off of, you know, he's lost that that whole glow of him being, oh, my God, I'm getting in the ring with Deontay. He's going to kill me. Tyson Fury took that away from him. Now you take that, turn it into something else and be a better champion. Don't sit there and make excuses. What are you teaching the kids? When something goes wrong and you lose, make an excuse. We can't do that, man. We got to grow from it. And it, and it's it. This is what knocks off the shine off of American exceptionalism. In all honesty, because yeah. we, this is not exceptional. This is actually weak. It's weak to not be able to lose. And I'm not saying you got to lose graciously. I'm not saying you got to no. enjoy losing or I'm anything. A, to that effect. I'm a store loser. I, yeah. I'm, I, but I don't want to go around and, and what I do is even when I play video games now, especially since COVID-19 and I broke my ankle and I've been sitting at the house for almost a year now Man. and playing a lot of video games and everything. When I talk it's impressive that you haven't gained a bunch of weight. <laughs> that praise the Lord. But when I when yeah. I when I when I literally when I talk to you and I tell you I lost a game, I say, Oh man, I lost because I did this, I did that, and this happened or that happened. Ain't a bunch of excuses or ten thousand reasons why. I made mistakes. And maybe one of the mistakes was that I picked up the stick. <laughs> maybe I should pick up some bit of like Joe Frazier said when he fought George Foreman. Only mistake I made was signing that contract. I should have did that. <laughs> should have did that. An interesting ladies fight just jumped off, just started on the zone right now. We've got Katie Taylor versus Miriam Gutierrez. And Katie's coming out with high pressure early. Big pressure. Got her in the corner and just freaking wailing on her. Come on. But yeah, but back to the point, you know, I'm very disappointed in Deontay. Like very, very. This is unbelievable. You you can't. It's just un, it's unnecessary. If you want to leave wow. the sport, leave the sport with one of the highest, with the highest knockout percentage of all time, with a yeah. really great record, regardless right. of who who's on the resume. But a really great record. Right. You'll go down as arguably the hardest puncher in the history of of boxing, and right. and that's okay. You know, or step back in the ring. There's no shame. You know, knocks a couple people out. Knock you somebody weak out. Go go find somebody else that's weak out. Don't mess around in the heavyweight division right now because there's a lot of boys that'll put you on your back and keep you there nowadays. But get you get right. you a knockout and then set back up with with Fury or with uh, you know with a, a, a Joshua or a, a Chisora or a, a Delian White. 
you know, do do something to that effect. No, one of one of the biggest things is that now the the book has been written on him, the, the blueprint on how to beat him, taking that right hand away from him, and showing that he's susceptible to the body, and showing that, that you can keep him keep him on his back foot, and then popping that jab, and and everybody's going to follow that blueprint, especially the younger guys coming up, and so he's going to have to make the adjustments or not, and if he doesn't make the adjustments, he'll start taking more losses. Right, it must have drove Ortiz crazy to watch this. Must have drove yeah. him absolutely nuts to see that. Because he's the old man that had him in trouble. Two yeah. times. But Ortiz got the benefit of a, of a sloppy dub just the other day himself because that that, that was suspicious. That was suspicious they, minds. They, they're holding your man's purse. He can't get his purse. He can't get that purse. He can't get that bag. What is he doing? What, what are you doing? You can't just fall down. Damn. At least make the dive look believable. <laughs> I mean, come now, on, You man. guys go look up that meme in Luis Ortiz's last fight. They're saying he's going to fight Andy Ruiz, Ruiz next. That actually should be, that a, should good be a good fight. That should be a good fight. And I, I, I'll take Ruiz in that situation because I, I would imagine Andy learned something uh, out of this experience of being the nobody, being the champ, and now being ostracized again. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, huge news in the world of boxing as well that we want to talk to Ellie about. Canelo Alvarez is released from his contract with the Zone and Golden Boy. This is enormous news. This is crazy news. This was the biggest right. deal in all the professional sports that was signed about uh, two years ago now. And it's been tight ever since. Mm -hmm. Nobody, they, everybody all around town and everything could tell Canelo and Oscar weren't getting along. But not only was Canelo and Oscar not getting along, that seemed to then bleed over to, to Oscar's relationship with his budding superstar and Ryan Garcia. I don't know where Golden Boy goes from here. The man who would know about the saga between Canelo Alvarez and Oscar De La Hoya, a.k.a. Golden Boy of Golden Boy Promotions, is on the phone. He's Ellie Sekback reporting. What up, Ellie? Reporting. I'm good. It's a crazy, crazy world unboxing because exactly eight days ago, Canelo announced that he's leaving Golden Boy, which shocked everyone because they were in litigation, mediation, and usually... A superstar of this magnitude in any industry, it takes a couple of years to resolve. This was resolved very fast. And it looks like Canelo, even though he left Golden Boy and the zone, it will be back on the zone for his next fight. Um, it's not guaranteed, but it looks that way. So how is that going to work? Um, well, uh, obviously the zone are going to pay him a substantial amount of money. And he's going to fight on there. And, and I think, and again, I haven't spoken to Canelo directly, so I think it's going to be like Miguel Cotto or Mikey Garcia or Sugar Ray Leonard back in the day, fight-by-fight basis. So he may okay. fight here on one week and may fight on there in another week. You know, maybe we see him on ESPN. Maybe we see him on Showtime. Maybe we see him on Fox. But his first fight back, at least for now, for December 19th, that's the date everyone's talking about, looks like it will be on the zone against... Um, Colin Smith, who's the champion 168 from England, which is a tough fight. He is not fighting a crash dummy. I agree. That's a tough fight for him. Callum Smith is a tough guy. He's long. I want to see how whether or not he's timid because this seems to be the order of the day against Canelo. And I would much rather see Canelo stay at 160 and fight the high-end guys at 160. Let him fight the Charlo that's there. Let him fight these other guys that are there. But it's his it's his career. It's his uh, you know, it's his situation. He can do what he feels like doing. And I just find it very interesting and great that he's betting on himself in the sense of being a free agent. I just wonder where this leaves Golden Boy Promotions because now their biggest cash cow would be Ryan Garcia and it can be argued that he's not necessarily uh, 
tied in that deeply with the stable either because he doesn't have a championship. He's one of uh, Reynoso's fighters, just like Canelo. And I want to see what the next steps are with him because things are really heating up at 135. Well, here's what makes it so interesting, Omar and, and Terry. So what happens is it looks like Ryan and Canelo are fighting on the same card. That's what every that's what all the indications are, which makes it very interesting. I mean, how does that work? How would it work promotional-wise? How would it work where, okay, Ryan's on Canelo's card. It's, a lot of people are telling me what you just said, like, is Ryan next? We don't know. Right now he's under contract with Golden Boy. Once that contract is over, we'll see. Like, yesterday, the big talk in the boxing world was Terrence Crawford's contract is coming up in October. Does he renew a top rank? Does he go in his own direction? Very interesting things going on. And, and what does it leave with Golden Boy? Well, without Canelo, obviously, it's a major blow. Canelo brings in a lot of money, attention. They have Virgil Ortiz. They have Ryan Garcia. Uh, Blair Cobbs. Um, they have Sue Khan, who's a champion from China, 126. Lesser known, Jojo Diaz is a champion in 130. But definitely. Got a nice win against Devin Farmer. Yeah, this is going to be interesting to see where it goes. At least Oscar's I off the hook for the personal guarantee, though. Yeah, and one of the things that's a trip to me is that when the fighters do decide to fight this one-off, you know, these one-off fights like this, is that they're really taking a chance because a guy like Canelo, if he loses, he has a lot to lose. And then you don't have the backing of the system, you know, or the machine to back you as a champion. You know what I'm talking about? I agree a million percent, Terry, because all the pressure's on him. Whoever fights Canelo wins whether they win or lose because you're going home with a fat bag and you're making five, eight, ten million. Win, lose, or draw, you're making more money than you ever dreamt of. Canelo yeah. has to win and has to look good, and it's a lot of pressure. Now, is he that good? Yes. Can he do it? Yes. Is he better than most people? Yes. And all those answers. But he's a tough fight. Charlo's not easy. Benavidez, not easy. Caleb Plant, not easy. Uh, Colin Smith. But again, he's banking that he is the face of boxing and he's the pound for pound king. But that's what makes it exciting. That's what we're going to watch. And can he afford to lose? No. Unless it's a really exciting fight and it's like the first Triple G fight, which was, you know, 50-50. Nah, you know that wasn't 50-50. Yeah. <laughs> Stop lying, Ellie. Let's go 80-20. We, we know you have to do it. You got to toe the line, but that wasn't no 50-50 fight. Stop it. But he did win in that sense because he stood up to the boogeyman. Um, now... Another thing that's going down that we just got done speaking about uh, is that we watched Leo Santa Cruz get knocked out. I did a clip with you where pretty much it kind of broke down the way that I said it would because eventually Leo always wants to just go head to head and toe to toe. And that didn't work out in his favor for the first time ever. We saw Leo on his back and he looked like he was in some serious trouble. Have you spoken to Leo since the knockout and have you spoken to Tank since the knockout? If so, what they have to say? Um, I spoke to Leo's team. They said he, they're happy he's okay. They said he didn't stick to the game plan. The game plan was to box tank and in the second half to mix it up. But Leo's just a warrior. And he went in there and let his hands go. Leo did do some interviews this week where he indicated he wants a rematch. First of all, when you get knocked out like that, you can't fight for nine months. So I don't see a rematch because Tank is not going to wait nine months. He wants to fight. Uh, I did speak to Tank and his team. They're excited about the, what the future brings. They're now, Tank is a legitimate pay-per-view star, which is very hard to do in this day and age. Um, and only mega fights. I think, as my understanding is, that Tank and Ryan, Ryan's dad told me this a few days ago, both sides have agreed to fight in a pay-per-view next. Uh, 
So that's going to be very interesting to see uh, Tank and Ryan in a pay-per-view. Tank could stay at 30. Wow. Tank could fight at 35. I talked to Teofimo Lopez yesterday. Teofimo said, I'd love to fight Tank, but I don't think he'll fight me. Tank is, will fight anyone. Teofimo will fight anyone. But right now, the big pay-per-view, right now, Ryan, almost 8 million followers. Tank, 2.5 million followers with the backing of Mayweather on one side, Canelo on the other. It's just a massive pay-per-view. It's, it, they're both going to make a lot of money. It sounds like a good fight, too. I was about to say, that's a fight I would want to see. That would fight, that's a fight that you actually feel like you would get your money's worth, especially now when you're talking about the kid a kid. Ryan Garcia has looked great since he got with Chapo Reynoso. Yes, he, the, he looks I fantastic. Guess, I came front of him. Teofimo told me that I, we talked, and you know, every fighter, you know, they talk a little smack among things up, but they all respect each other. So he told me that Tank definitely had knockout of the year, but he has fight of the year against Lomachenko. One thing that Tank told me after his fight with Leo that I found very interesting. I said, Tank, on a scale of 1 to 100, how hard did you hit Leo? And he said, I didn't hit him that hard. I just placed it. Because that's right. He didn't hit hard. Can you imagine if Tank really put his feet down <laughs> and released well, I saw I saw what all the rest of the boxers were saying. Earl Spence was talking about it. All the rest of the boxers were talking about how hard he actually hit at 130. The issue for me is, is I don't think anybody, anybody except for Mikey Garcia wants smoke with Tiafimo at 135. Personally, I don't think yeah. any one of them yeah. want yes. at one thirty-five, uh, and, and and it is what it is. I think especially all the experience he just gained, especially all the experience he just gained. Now the man that looks like the odd man out just scored a win against Gamboa, which is Devin Haney. Now Devin had a methodical win; he couldn't get him out of there. And in the world of boxing, when you fight after somebody who just had an outrageous, spectacular knockout, it looks a lot worse when you go twelve. Uh, even though Tank went 12 with the guy that knocked out in 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, you need something now, Sinesia style, something outrageous. So, they think at a comedy show or music, you know, where there's a music festival and one band goes in there and there's a pro amazing, nobody wants to go right after. And, right. and he did win. And if he fought any other time, he would have gotten many more compliments. Unfortunately, in boxing, they, they love you when you're on top and they love to kick you when you're down. And if it wasn't up to par, he ran clearly and, and he dominated. But he dominated. Something else. Shut out. And he got a little backlash. But he'll be okay. People have a short memory, and it's one of you been for me lately. Um, in the short term, people, Teofimo and Tank elevated the bar. Ryan has to look spectacular against whoever he's fighting next, whether it's Luke Campbell or um, Lenari. I'm not, because Luke Campbell said that he had COVID, which I don't know if he had COVID. I haven't been with him, but who knows if that's really the case. I don't know. <laughs> Wow. Well, you know what? I think that this is this is very interesting. In all honesty, of that crop, I think Devin Haney is the best athlete out of all of them. Uh, but mm -hmm. I think that obviously the the biggest puncher is is Tank, not followed by far maybe by Tiafimo. Tiafimo low key might have as big of a punch as Tank does, but it's just uh, he, he's actually a bigger person. So I think he I, he probably does. Uh, and and honestly. Vasily Lomachenko is not out of the mix here. It's not like he lost to Tiafimo in a masterful performance. It's not like Vasily should just ride off into the sunset. This is still a serious fight, and he would be a problem for a lot of guys still in that 130 to 135 range. So I don't know if you've spoken to him since the shoulder surgery. Fight Mikey. 
I, they don't want no smoke. Nobody wants it with Mikey at 135. And I know from what I understand, it's hard for Mikey to make 135. But the rumors that I hear, and I know how close you are with the Garcia's camp, Ellie, is that Mikey has said he's willing to fight Tiafimo at 140. Do you got any any word on that? Wow. It's true. No, no, that is true. Mikey does want to fight at 140. However, this is the other catch. When I spoke to Tiafimo yesterday, he wants to fight the winner of Jose Ramirez, Josh Taylor, because the winner of that fight will have all the belts at 140. Right. I told you a female, he didn't know. I said, listen, Jose Ramirez is going to fight in March. And he's like, I want to fight in March. So obviously, he's not going to fight that his next fight. He was talking about going to Australia and fight this fighter named George Cambosis, who just two weeks ago was in England and beat Lee Selby. So he got ranked pretty high at the 135 division. George Cambosis is tall. He's, he's one of the sparring partners of Manny Pacquiao. But Teofimo's dad told Teofimo, be careful, because if we go to Australia, <laughs> we have to win by knockout, or we're not going to win. That's it. You get that Pacquiao. That Pacquiao horn. Yep. So Teofimo's going to do one more fight, probably at 35, and maybe he, he the Cambosis is, is the um, mandatory. So maybe he fights his mandatory at 135, and then he continues from there to 140. Uh, here's, here's where it gets interesting. Jose Ramirez... If he beats Josh Taylor, I bet he vacates all the belts and he moves up to fight Crawford. But again, Crawford, like we said, his contract's coming up. So, so many things. It's so complicated these days in boxing. Sure is. And that leads us to the fight of the night to talk about, which is Terrence Crawford, a lot of people's number one pound for pound, versus Kell Brook, who, in my opinion, was the best at 147 for a long time, but he could never get fights, and it was hard for him to squeeze into 147, at which point he moved up to a catchweight to fight Gennady and got his eye socket cracked, and he's never been the same. Put up a tremendous fight against Earl Spence, a great fight. I rewatched it the other day. Earl got broke his other eye socket, broke the same eye socket, got him out of there, Kelbrook, from the rumors have it, has a has, has a lot of uh, vices. And the interesting thing will be which Kelbrook shows up tonight. I think Terrence Crawford is in for a long night. And one of the main reasons I feel that way is because Terrence likes to start slow. And uh, I read that for some reason, Terrence did not have a rehydration clause, which means that Kelbrook could come in conceivably at 160 or somewhere near there. And he's a naturally a bigger guy. And I feel like Kell Brook, I, I have Kell Brook for this fight, even though I know that he has a lot of vices and stuff. But if, he's comes, if he comes in there healthy, I would take Kell Brook over Terrence Crawford. I mean, even when you look at Terrence Crawford's resume, I don't see a lot of testing there. So I, Well, I, there, there is. It's just at 140. I like, I like at 140, Terrence Crawford was the best in the world. But since he's moved up to 147. You look at this thing, who has he fought? Well, he fought a lot of guys at 140, but when you moved up to 147, he's been kind of coddled by and slash uh, kind of um, left on the outs, if you will, because of his promotional stable being top rank and all of the other 147 guys, high-end guys, being with PBC or Golden Boy or whatever else. And there hasn't been a lot of uh, aisle crossing, if you will. I'm very interested to see because I think this will be his real test at 147. Ellie, you got any insight for us on this fight? Okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you guys are both right, but uh, Terry, I like you, so I'm not going to bet you. This is the problem. When you had Lucas Matisse fight Pacquiao, he quit after he got hit in the eye. He had a similar injury, so he quit after three rounds. If Crawford lands a punch in the earlier rounds on, on, 
on uh, Kel Brook. I expect Kel Brook to just quit his team throwing his hot. Mm. fractured. And even Crawford yesterday at the, the weigh-in, they were band, had some banter, and Crawford said, what are you talking about? Your face is all busted up. Now, if, if for some reason Kel Brook could protect his face and move around, he'll survive, but I don't think that he beats. He hasn't fought at 147 in four years. Um, I don't know. Yes, the side could help him survive, kind of Gamboa, but it would be hard for him to, to win. But we'll see. He, he was talented a few years ago. But two broken eye sockets could take a toll on anyone. And he's definitely on the on the backside of his career. So it's not the same guy that I saw beat Sean Porter at the StubHub Center. Uh, but I do think, and I think actually from top rank, this is a good fight to make for Terrence because it should get him the rounds uh, with a higher-end guy at round. 47. Quality rounds. But injuries are real, and Father Time is undefeated. Definitely the advantage goes to They're Terrence. They're only a year apart, though. Yeah, but but it's only but, your part. But Kell Brook has a lot more wear and tear in his years than than Terrence does. I agree, but that's because he took tough fights. Terrence Crawford hasn't yeah. taken any tough fights, so that didn't help him. That put him out for a while. Then um, the the fighting Triple G, he's not a one sixty pounder. That was punishment. That was punishment. Uh, punishment. Like that was five G. rounds of punishment. punishment. But if you look at the, both of their resumes, you can see the quality, the difference in the quality of opponents. I'm not even bashing Terrence Crawford. I just don't think that, I think that they're elevating him to a status that he doesn't deserve until he fights some of these same guys that he's fought, like Sean Porter and, you know, um, Kel Brook fought Errol Spence. I mean, there's a lot of guys out to Sean Porter. So, and Kel Brook has two losses. So I, I know that he's a year older. I don't feel like, if he's healthy, I feel like he can beat Terrence Crawford. That's yeah, why I'm at. That's this is well, a, this is a major if because there's been a lot of lot of mileage. You've seen the effect of Gennady Golovkin on sure have. just about everybody's <laughs> career except for Canelo Alvarez, and the rumor still has it about the Mexican meet with Canelo. So most of the time, when Gennady gets you out of there, it, it doesn't fare well for you in the future. And you know he I hasn't agree. been the same since. Then you compound that with Earl Spence putting them tips on him. And I mean he hit Earl hard. And Earl went to his backyard and took the title. In honestly what is still the most impressive fight uh for me for Earl. That or the Sean Porter fight. Um but Ellie, we're not going to take all of your time. Just want one parting gift. What in the hell is going on with Deontay Wilder? I haven't spoken to him. So I'm not sure. I know they went into arbitration because he had a contract that he has a third fight with Tyson Fury. Obviously, with the pandemic and everything, the date passed. They were supposed to fight in October or November, and it didn't happen. So Fury's going to fight some guy from Germany that's 23-0 with 13 knockouts that they built beautifully in Germany. I can't even pronounce his name because I don't know what a guy is. They, they did a good time. So December 5th, so Fury... And Wilder, Wilder's team went to arbitration. Maybe a judge could put a stop on that and force them. But the part about cheating, maybe it's his belief. Maybe it happened. Maybe I don't know. I wasn't in the locker room. I don't know what's in the gloves. He's the one that got hit. The part about the spiking the water with a muscle relaxer, I don't know about all that. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good look. And you know I'm bomb squad all day, but this ain't the look that you want. Take the L and keep it moving. Yeah, again, but, but maybe he really believes it, and maybe some of it is true. I don't know. And then Tyson Fury said, I'm not going to sue him for defamation, even though I can make $100 million, I'm just not going to give him a rematch. 
But okay, but why are you fighting a guy that none of us ever heard of that was built in Germany? That had you already fought a guy like that a few months ago in Vegas, uh, Schwartz. Remember? Yeah, they gave him a problem. That guy Otto. Yeah, and then he fought Otto Wallen. That's life is face. Otto Wallen. Yeah. We want to see fighters fight big fights that are not easy wins, that are not mismatches on paper. That's especially heavyweight division. We want to see exciting stuff. So boxing, still boxing. Um, (laughs) Crawford will win tonight easy. Kelbrook probably, they told him, we'll pay you a lot of money, hype up this fight, because he said he's going to make Crawford quit on the stool. I don't wow. know. That doesn't even make sense in any scenario. Why would Crawford, if he's going to hurt him, just knock him out. Make him quit on the stool. <laughs> make you quit on the stool. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's going to pick him up and put him back on the stool after he knocked him out. Ah, could be. Well, we'll see if, if the, how the icons is bought it in hook, line, and sinker. We'll see which Kelbrook shows up. Ellie, always appreciate your insight. Tell the people where they can find you. Just type in ES News everywhere. Lots of great content coming up. Lots of stuff. Thanks so much for having me. Always the Ozone. That's the only zone to be in. Report. <laughs> All right, Ellie. I honestly believe that it's, if Kel Brook is healthy, I, I do you. believe that. I heard you, Kel. I heard you. Skill set wise. <laughs> I don't know I what told to you, dude. <laughs> okay. We're going to see. The fight comes on in a couple minutes. <laughs> Hilarious. Now, let's go to the the, the, the game so fine it's played on diamonds. Ladies and gentlemen, Major League Baseball has concluded their season, and they're still making noise. And one of the ways that they're making noise is by announcing the awards. Um, some major hardware took place, and I was really surprised by this. The National League Cy Young was Trevor Bauer. I was not surprised by that. I was surprised that they said he is the first member of the Reds to ever win the Cy Young. It's crazy. I mean, the Reds had Tom Seaver. They've had all kind of Raleigh, uh, Raleigh Eastwick. They've had a lot of guys. Uh, was it Mario Soto? Jose Rio? I mean, but I guess it wasn't enough. Right? Jose Rio. Johnny Cueto? That wasn't enough to take you over the top. Yeah, that's crazy. But I think Johnny Cueto was tough to pitch in that Kershaw era. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. Wow, that that's in that's insane. So very interesting. Congrats to Trevor Bauer. He absolutely carved both pitching awards. Stayed in Ohio this year because the American League version uh, was given to Shane uh, uh, Bieber. And t- man, you talk about carve. That kid was. I had ice water in his veins all the way up until the first playoff start. I mean, I mean, tough. He got tough. He tough. carved people this year. Very, very impressive. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what so this young. does. That, that's the thing. I'm interested to see what this does for both of these guys um, with the shortened season. You saw how the shortened season benefited Clayton Kershaw. You saw how the 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 extra rest mm-hmm. to start the season and for the season itself to be shorter benefited a lot of guys. I'm interested to see what happens when the season, assuming that the season would start back at the regular time next year, uh, especially since they have that positive COVID-19 vaccine news on the uh, on the horizon in theory. I'm interested to see what happens. And I was so happy to see Jose Abreu win the MVP. He deserved it. I mean, the guy has been a machine ever since he's been in the league. And for him to come out here and 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 he's thrown support behind Tony Larusa, even though he's going through his issues, he said he's his man. If it, if he's if it's to be, he's with it. Um, he's just a solid ball player. I mean, he's one of the guys who lived up to the hype because when you saw him on the exactly. national stage, he had video game numbers. I, I mean, silly numbers from the word go. They turn on the lights yeah. and Dariel starts swinging a stick, and he's got leather, and he's fast for a big man. 
He's that yes. that guy. He's an all around ball player. He's a, he's a really good ball player, top to bottom. I'm happy for him. Happy for Orange County's finest. Freddie Freeman finally picked him up one. They said he had four or five top four finishes for MVP, and he finally brought one home. Good for Freddie Freeman. The Braves, I mean, you could argue that they underachieved because that team is incredible, but they were ahead of schedule. And he was a key cornerstone, especially given the fact that he had to fight COVID. He was in a bad, bad way. And he said there was nice that he prayed to the Lord God to keep him on the earth because he was on his way out. So for him to come back and and ball out like that, it's really impressive. I just I just really still have a problem with Mookie Betts not getting it because the Dodgers aren't champions without him. And that's what the MVP is about to me. The most valuable player in the league and on that team. So. yeah, and so Freddie Freeman is a great ball player. He's not even a good ball player. He's a great ball player. But with a guy like Mookie Betts, which I've been screaming from the mountaintops for at least the last three years, he, we just don't respect what we're seeing out of him because the Dodgers have been there, what is that, three years in a row? And they haven't been able to get over the hump. This guy pretty much single-handedly beat the Braves with defense and a lot of of ways for the Dodgers. But I agree. Mookie Betts is the difference. Mookie Betts got cheated out of the MVP in the World Series. Now he he didn't get the MVP of the season. And I mean, you just, there's so many intangibles that the guy brings to the game. It's just unbelievable. Because if you go back into, if you go back in the time and then if, if we went to um, baseball reference or something and looked at Derek Jeter's numbers, Derek Jeter's numbers are good. There's a lot of them, maybe not overwhelming, but we it's also average. All, uh-huh, but all the, we also know that those games at the Yankees, those championships that the Yankees won, if you plug and play somebody else in, the, in his position, they would not win. They can't get it done. This is what Mookie Betts brings to the table. This is the difference to me between Mookie Betts and Mike Trout and a lot of other guys that are like Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger was considered like in the top five players in the league. But he can't get you it can't done. Get over the hump. You can't get over the hump with the just a Cody Bellinger. You need somebody like Mookie Betts with the intangibles that can do all the things, the small things, moving runners over, scoring like he did at home plate, head first slides with going on the crack of the bat. Jumping and over the, the fence, tremendous second, the balls. secondary lead, all the little yeah. stuff that you only know stuff. if you know the game. Exactly, and so and not to not to to, to take down Freddie Freeman at all, but Mookie Betts to me, there needs MVP. to be some award for Mookie Betts is what we're saying, <laughs> and that award yeah. seems like it should be MVP because he got chipped up. He definitely got the Bank of America award because he picked up three hundred sixty-five million, but he needs it. Mean, nobody uh, crying for Mookie. Yeah, yeah. Mookie, he don't need a loan or nothing. He's all right. Uh, and he brought a championship to the City of Angels, and that's what matters. Uh, and and maybe my favorite news out of baseball for the week is that our good friend Don Mattingly was named Manager of the Year. How about them apples? Man, that was awesome. That's awesome. That was, that was awesome. He deserved it. I mean, and now, now you're talking about somebody who's getting what they deserve because the personnel changes and everything that he had to work through, that was unbelievable, man. You're talking about a guy who literally, I, how many different position players did he have to go through? 70-something? Something crazy. Something insane. And he, not, he did not have a consistent lineup. He was playing with guys that he had never seen or had a scouting report for or anything. He just had to plug and play him in the lineup because COVID-19 was running running the muck like Hulk Hogan. And, and, so, and, and that was the... Down there in Miami, that's where it was really running wild. They would that was the first place yeah, it was going spot. completely berserk. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. So you know that that dude really earned it. He earned his paycheck and he earned it, all the accolades that he got. And that's awesome, man. 
And the Marlins continuing to make noise because they got winners down there. Uh, Derek Jeter said what he was going to do, and you know, getting these guys to the playoffs is definitely ahead of schedule. And then way ahead of they, schedule. Dude, way ahead of schedule. And then they busted down uh, barriers because they just hired Kim uh, Kim Ng, I think is how you say it. Kim Ng as the being the first uh, Helmer, the first general manager of a female persuasion in Major League Baseball history. So congrats to everybody involved. Right. And she's breaking down glass ceilings and barriers. And uh, Brian Cashman couldn't have given a bigger endorsement. He said she was indispensable for that championship, uh, those championship runs in the late uh, 90s for the Yankees when she served as his assistant GM and he wishes her the best. I mean, this is some this is some really interesting societal change going on right now. And it's, it's really positive. I really appreciate it. Right. Really good stuff going down. Uh, and now just some quick notes on basketball. Seems to be trouble in not so Texas oil paradise because they're saying that uh, Paul George is on his way down to Houston for Russell Westbrook. I am surprised about that move. I'm not surprised if it goes through because Paul George gave you some great loser work after they blew the series to the Nuggets by saying, yeah, nobody, none of us thought that this year was the year we were going to win. I, I'm sure that Ballmer was trying to figure out how to get him out of there the I moment he told him that. <laughs> I don't know who told him that. He grew up in L.A. There's every year is the year to win. Right. I don't, I don't understand. So There's No time off. No, and but what I heard but was I heard Westbrook Chris Paul was that, coming. That New York is trying to get him as well. And I heard Chris Paul yeah. was coming. New York and is trying to get Russell. Russell. Yeah, that, well, and now I'm hearing that Chris Paul might make a might dip his toe into some Philadelphia 76 action as well. So there's a lot of moving parts going on right now. But and they're talking no. about Giannis signing that long term deal with Jimmy Buckets, aka my favorite Max player down in Miami. Yeah, that would be the game changer. Wow. Wow, wow, I mean, wow. You're talking about taking that team over the top. He'll do it. Why would you wee wee? <laughs> and basketball, in the fashion of what they said, they're going to be up, back and running, shortest offseason ever. And they're going to be back up and running by Christmas Day. And it's going to be the tightest window ever between the draft and opening day. And I'm very interested because there needs to be an apology made to LeVar Ball. Yeah. <laughs> and and the issue is why well, we got to apologize to him because everybody ran him down. Everybody ran him down about every strategy he had about his boys. And he's about to have two of his three sons in the National Basketball Association. And they're talking about LaMelo going number 1. And that's after taking him to Lithuania. That's after him going and playing in Australia. And the kid is supposed to be a basketball wizard that they cannot wait. That there's everybody in the top 10 has their eyes on him. Yeah, he dropped down from number one now. They said maybe to in the top five. Yeah, but either way, they didn't like his workouts. But we'll but we'll see if they're playing if they, we'll see if they're playing games trying to play coy. And then now nah, we don't want him. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is. I, I read some very interesting articles about the young man. There's a lot of positive things being said about his basketball ability, and I, I just you know shout out it up. to Levar Ball and all the black fathers that are fully invested in their children. It's outstanding work. Even exactly. though the methods are necessarily non-traditional, he's totally committed. And from the time that they hit the scene, he made it very clear that he believed that his sons were the best basketball players on planet Earth. <laughs> and you cannot be mad at that kind of support. As he should. 
As he should. Speaking into existence. Come on, and man. It what is he supposed to say? Oh, my son's not that good, but can you guys He's give right. me a shot? Yeah. No. No. The yeah. world doesn't respect that. That's not They're how the this world works. No. And, and, and they're showing and proving, and I'm really, really excited for that whole family. Good for the balls. Good to ball out. <laughs> oh, moving on. Uh, you want to cover football? I'm ready. To, whatever we going to do. Yeah, I don't have no football information because my fantasy team is terrible. But I know some guys who do have some football information, and it is the icons and our favorite caller, Trucker Dave. Hey, fellas, what's going on? There he is, Trucker Dave. And where are you in this great United States of America? Down here in Kentucky. What's going on? Uh, they don't have a football team down there, though. <laughs> <What's>, <laughs> we need to work on that. Yeah, nothing but Trump love down here, dog. That's what they got. <laughs> that and McConnell. So what's happening? No, what's your predictions for the week? Well, I, I, it's going to be interesting with the Seattle game. Seattle against the Rams because both both of their running backs have been downgraded. So I'm interested to see what happens, you know, in that game. Uh, Russell Wilson going up against it again, only with his talent. Basically, his defense is terrible. Defense is terrible. This secondary is smashed. And so Chris Carson's not going to play. They're going to depend on that kid. Uh, what's his name? T- CB? Not uh, DJ Lamb? Yeah, they, I, I don't even know if he's, uh, he's going to play. I mean, I don't know why they didn't trade for Leonard Fournette. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot of plays that they could have picked up, but I don't understand what they did, why they weren't aggressive with getting a running back, especially since their system is built around the running game. That's what I don't understand. That's what I really don't understand. Um, so I think the game of the week is that Buffalo Arizona game. I know, man. Tyler Murray is really, really coming around. He's like the becoming the next Russell Wilson. He's, he's real nimble. Um, and Buffalo is being great with each win. They're getting more and more confident. And this kid Josh Allen is turning the corner as well. He's looking great. Yeah, a couple of guys have tested dirty for COVID on on Buffalo. Josh Norman. I think uh, Tyler Croft. And this thing is, I think the NFL is not really handling the COVID situation as well as they could, you know. Uh, it's spreading quickly. Do you think they need to be in the bubble? Huh? you think they need to be in the bubble like basketball was? I think so. I think they need to be in the bubble. And it's not going to really, you know, hurt them that much because the season is so much shorter. Yeah, and also they're only playing one game a week, so it's it's just very very difficult. But it should they should be able to contain this thing if they kept these players in some kind of you know area or some kind of restrictions. It seems that the players are getting out and about, and and that seems to be the biggest problem. And there's so much to lose now. They took a draft pick from somebody, right? For for um, America, yeah, took a draft pick from one yeah. of the teams for not being COVID compliant. Yeah, they did. I mean, they have to get serious about it, man. They have to let everybody know because it's like half of the guys want to, you know, commit to it and the other ones don't. So it's not going to work like that. This disease dictates the rules, not the rules. You know, it's not the other way around. Mm-hmm. What's going on with the Patriots? Well, I think they're really, uh, you know, I think they're really trying to play for a draft pick. And I'm really interested to see if, you know, with all the drafts that they have, are they going to just combine them to trade up and get Trevor Lawrence or somebody like that or one of these uh, young prospects at quarterback? Or it's probably going to be somebody like Jacksonville. Um, 
But other than that, I was really impressed with uh, the way Indianapolis played Tennessee on Thursday night. They uh, they put together a game plan on what you can do against uh, Derrick Henry and them. And that what that game plan is is get out in front so they can't just run downhill on you. Exactly. And I think that's something that they picked up from Kansas City as well because they made sure that Kansas City, when they were down, they made sure they came back and took the took the ball out of Derrick Henry's hand because he can dominate the game. You milk the clock on these powerhouses. But what, what, what I like that India has done is that they build a great defense over there. They, they really have. They tackle well. That's one thing I noticed about them. They wrap up. They tackle very, very well. And you know what? I'm jumping to a different subject. Lamar Jackson is kind of being like, if you've been watching him a little bit, he's been suspect. He is going to get figured out if he does not learn the passing game and how to read defense. What he's benefiting on is his speed. He is like becoming a one-read quarterback with nothing open. I'm just going to take off and run, and we've seen that before. So this kid, sure have. the benefit that this kid has is that he's still young, and uh, he's got a great coach. So, but if he doesn't learn how to read defenses, you know, they're going to shut him down. And then what are you going to do? Well, you know what they said about him is that what, what's been going on with him, what Lamar Jackson has said, is that players, that the other teams are calling their plays at the line. So, you know, he's making it sound like they've scouted him to the point where they can't, they don't have anybody off balance and they're sitting there waiting for him. But I just think that they need a new offensive coordinator and they need to make the adjustments as the league, make the adjustments to him. Because as a professional athlete, they're not going to let anybody just sit there and run amok on them. No, I really believe that Lamar Jackson is the fastest player in football. <laughs> when he's got the ball in his hands, man, if he gets outside, it's just like, it's almost impossible. It's very Michael Vick. Yes. It reminds me. Yeah. Very, very fast. I would love to see what the 40 time looks like. Right. Well, all right, Trucker Dave, we have to wrap this segment up. All right, Trucker Dave, always a pleasure for you to have us. Be careful. Take care of yourself out there. We'll catch you sooner than later. All right. Talk to you guys. Peace. Always nice to have Trucker Dave on the line. <laughs> well, either way it goes, folks. This is what we got for you this time. <laughs> I promise we'll get you some more soon. We're going to talk about this fight because I don't have such a strenuous work schedule on the Unicorn. Live on CBS every Thursday night at 930 local time. Uh, going to leave you with a quote about persistence, folks, because that's what we need. A lot of people got COVID fatigue. And let me tell you, no matter how tired you are, it's better than ending up on a ventilator or worse yet in the morgue. This thing is real. We're all in it together. And a lot of people are having a really hard time. Know this. The only thing that stands between dreams and reality is persistence. That quote is from a neuroscientist named NASCAR. Ladies and gents, be persistent. Take care of yourselves wow. and take care of each other. I'm Omar Miller, and I am your host in the Ozone. 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 I'm just living the dream.